Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Good afternoon and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today I want to talk a little bit more about the Epic Game Store. For those of you who haven't been following the fireworks out of Epic, uh, they launched a store, really announced it in December of last year, got it up and running uh, very quickly and have quickly become a major player and competitor with Valve and Steam Uh, in a way that a lot of people aren't necessarily enjoying. One of the things that they are doing is they are taking that abundance of Fortnite money and they are buying exclusives. And they are buying exclusives not of games that are coming out uh, in a couple years from now, as might be the norm for a new kind of platform provider to do, uh, but they are instead buying exclusives out from games that are coming out in the very near term, in the next couple of months, and they're buying them away from Steam Uh, directly. And in a number of cases, these games have been advertised on Steam, uh, have been collecting pre-orders on Steam, uh, and have otherwise been keeping their community up to date on Steam uh, for a while, uh, a year or more in some instances. And the latest kind of uh, barrage in this battle has been Metro Exodus, which announced yesterday that they are going to be exclusive to the Epic Game Store. Uh, which Valve says is unfair. Now, there are a couple things here that are very interesting. The first of which is that Valve really hasn't spoken about the Epic Game Store or kind of from a lesser publicity standpoint, the Discord Game Store, since these two really started to position themselves as competitors to the Valve uh, Steam near, if not total, monopoly of the digital PC marketplace. Uh, And... uh, This being the first statement that they make is an interesting one because it does come across as a bit uh, petulant. Uh, If you followed my channel earlier this week, you saw that I did an analysis of the statements made by Nintendo in respect to the Metroid Prime 4 cancellation and Bioware in respect of the problems they were having with their Anthem demonstration and really kind of dove deep into how things can be construed regardless of the substance of the message that you're sending out. Uh, and here, Valve did come across as uh, as burnt, uh, as almost a little childish in responding to these competitors for the first time. Uh, and certainly from my business perspective, from my legal perspective, uh, I do think that is, at least in part, a function of not really having much competition in this space for a good long time. And so now having these games essentially stolen out from under them very rapidly. I mean, we're in January of 2019 right now, and the Steam Game Store, as it is presently constituting itself, really didn't exist uh, three months ago. Uh, And so it's very interesting to see Valve kind of respond, because one of the things that was really an impetus for the Epic Game Store uh, coming out there, and I did a video on this earlier uh, this, this past year in November, I believe, 
uh, was the fact that Valve came out with a statement that said we're not essentially going to give more money. We're not going to split from our 70-30 split uh, to a great extent until you start making a, a lot of money on our platform. And the risks that that put on the Valve and Steam uh, engine, if another competitor were to come out and say, hey, we can do better than that. And that's exactly what Epic did. They were offering an 88-12 split. And I think a lot of developers are seeing an opportunity to uh, work in concert to really change that 70-30 paradigm to something that's more advantageous for themselves. Uh, but reading this article from GameDaily.biz, uh, which I talked about at the end of yesterday's video regarding the GameStop non-sale, uh, is one of my favorite sites to really check out and, and to look at business and legal issues that are facing the video game industry today. Uh, and I do recommend it. I'm going to put the links to these stories in the description to this video, but do check it out. I think they've got a number of good people that are really focused on kind of the minutia of the business and law of video games in a way that a number of other outlets maybe aren't. Um, but they say Metro Exodus will be exclusive to the Epic Game Store. Valve says it's unfair. In the ongoing war between Steam and the Epic Game Store, tactical alliances are bound to be made, and Metro Exodus publisher Deep Silver has firmly chosen. Deep Silver announced Monday that the PC version of Metro Exodus is releasing exclusively on the Epic Game Store and has been removed from Steam and other digital stores. While Deep Silver has stated that all pre-orders will be honored, with the game and DLC still downloadable for people who pre-ordered on Steam, and PC Gamer confirming that Exodus will return to Steam on February 14th, 2020, so it's about a one-year exclusive. Deep Silver's approach is sure to spark some hard feelings between Steam and Epic. The two companies have been locked in a battle of wits in public relations since Epic announced it would launch its own digital game platform and give developers, publishers, a significantly greater revenue cut. Metro Exodus is amazing and is deservedly one of the most anticipated PC titles of 2019, said Tim Sweeney, founder and CEO of Epic. We are partnering with Deep Silver to launch Metro Exodus, underpinned by Epic's marketing support and commitment to offering an 88% revenue split, enabling game creators to further reinvest in building great games and improving the economics of game stores for everybody. They like to hit that point because it is their best point. Uh, that the developers are getting a much bigger slice of the pie out of the money that they make from sales of games. And I think anybody that otherwise doesn't have a vested interest in Steam or Epic or GOG or Discord can look at that and say, yeah, you know, I would rather have 80% 80, 80 of my dollars going to the people that are actually making the games than the people that are just providing the network infrastructure and, and the store because they're doing a good job and that's an important service for the industry. Uh, but if they can do it on 12%, I think that's going to make more and better games available to more uh, people, and that's a good thing. That's certainly uh, something that I would consider when deciding where to purchase something from, and I think that that's why Epic is hitting that point as much as they have been. Now, until Metro Exodus, one of the components of this story was that they really hadn't been showing a reduction in sales price on the consumer-facing level in their store. Uh, and that's one of the things that I had mentioned a great deal on my Twitter and in previous videos that I thought was a problem with the Epic Game Store. While I, kind of from an altruistic standpoint, or because I think it's good for the industry, can say, hey, I would probably rather buy something on Epic than Steam because I think that 18% going to developers is better. If I'm still paying $60 over here or $60 over there, that's going to be a very limited amount of people that even kind of go through that process to think about where they're buying something. And especially if they're already entrenched 
in the Steam environment, if they have a community page there, if they have friends list there, if they have all those things, there are reasons to not leave. And if it's going to be $60 in either location, then that's probably going to lock them into Steam rather than Epic, regardless of the 88 or 70 issue. But Exodus comes out, and here the article says, for Deep Silver, that greater revenue cut is at least one reason why the publisher was able to discount Metro Exodus to $49.99 in the United States. And that's something that's going to come up again and again uh, as we talk about the article that came out today, which is the next article also from Game Daily Biz that I want to talk about. But the $49.99 happened. Eurogamer reported it as a reduction in uh, the European community as well in in pounds. Uh, And then they had to retract that because that price difference is actually not happening outside the United States. And Game Daily Biz has some theories about why that's happened in in the next article that we're going to go over. But I do think at least for the United States, just as kind of a preliminary matter, this is the kind of thing that the Epic Game Store needs to have happen in order to move eyeballs, in order to move consumers over to the store. If it's going to have success with Steam, and this isn't really playing favorites as to whether you like Valve or whether you like Epic, but if you do think that 8812 is better for the game industry, is more money in the developers' pockets, is going to result in more and better games, then as a general rule, you do want to see things shift away from that 7030. And I think that supporting the Epic Game Store and their push to, to move that number is ultimately going to re- result in Steam moving their number, changing a few of their policies outside of this kind of early window of buying exclusives, which I'm not a big fan of. Uh, but by selling Metro Exodus at a $10 discount to the $60, which is a significant amount of money, uh, especially based across the, the $60, it's a good chunk of change, um, then I think that that's going to bring more people in. Now, we're going to leave this article because I think uh, one of the more interesting things that has happened is uh, what the response has been from the people, especially those devoted to Steam. Uh, but before we do, I want to talk about what Valve's comment was on this. So Valve doesn't feel that way, doesn't feel good about Deep Silver leaving for obvious reasons. The company posted a statement to the Steam store page for Metro Exodus that attempts to cast a negative light on the decision. And again, as far as I'm aware, this is the first time that Valve has really spoken out in public on this issue at all. And they say, Sales of Metro Exodus have been discontinued on Steam due to a publisher decision to make the game exclusive to another PC store. The developer and publisher have assured us that all prior sales of the game on Steam will be fulfilled on Steam, and Steam owners will be able to access the game and any future updates or DLC through Steam. We think the decision to remove the game is unfair to Steam customers, especially after a long pre-sale period. We apologize to Steam customers that were expecting it to be available for sale through the February 15th release date, but we were only recently informed of the decision and given limited time to let everyone know. And when we talk about messaging, you have to be cognizant of what's going to be reported. And what wound up being reported on this statement from Valve is the word unfair, that they've described this situation unfair. And if you're looking at the statement and you're reading it from a business perspective or or you're analyzing it from a legal one, that word should have jumped out at you as being what is going to be presented. Now, I don't think that's entirely fair, no pun intended, to Valve insofar as what they're saying is that it's unfair to their customers, not unfair to Valve in particular, although they do a dovetail in their interests on this particular score. Uh, But 
by focusing on the word unfair, it does make Valve look like they are either unprepared to deal with this competition or they don't know exactly what their next steps are going to be, which I think is interesting uh, because until now I have basically been assuming that Valve was biding their time, that they were essentially going to drop their 70-30 to a lower amount, uh, potentially all the way down to 88-12, but at least something less than 70-30 as soon as Epic or Discord or whomever really started making inroads and really impacting their bottom line. Uh, Now I'm not so sure exactly what their plan is. They certainly seem to want to cast Epic in a negative light. But from an anti-consumer perspective, as much as I don't like exclusives, uh, PC exclusives are a bit of a different ball of wax than, say, moving something like Rise of the Tomb Raider from uh, appearing on all consoles to only appearing on the Xbox, where a PlayStation 4 player really just couldn't play it at all. Uh, If you've got a PC, you can open up the Steam store or you can open up the Epic Game Store really without a problem. Uh, And I do understand that there are situations where you like to have your community, you like to have your friends list, you just like the Steam infrastructure better, and that makes sense. And you'd rather have the opportunity to play it on Steam rather than Epic. And I agree with you. I think that you should have the opportunity to play it everywhere. Uh, But that isn't as anti-consumer as some of the things we saw earlier in this generation with what Microsoft was doing and with what other exclusives wind up doing. Uh, Destiny, for example, and only having DLC available uh, and only bonus items in uh, the Sony ecosystem rather than the Microsoft ecosystem. Those kinds of things are more directly harmful than, hey, it's not available on Steam. Oh, and it's only available on Epic. And then you add on to that effect the fact that you were going to get a discount, at least if you're in the United States. And it's hard to see the move as deliberately anti-consumer. You have a situation where this made sense for Epic. You undoubtedly have a a sack of money changing hands, whether that's in the form of direct cash or guaranteed minimums or or royalty rebates or promotions or things like that. Um, And it made sense to everybody involved, with the exception of Valve and Steam. Uh, Now, I do think if they had said that if you have a Steam pre-order, you don't get it or you have to come over to Epic, that would have been a pretty significant problem. But they've said that they're going to honor the purchases that have been made on Steam. So we've really got two buckets of people, the ones that have already bought Metro Exodus, and they're going to be taken care of like nothing had changed, and the ones that hadn't bought it yet, which are going to get a $10 discount, at least if they're in the United States. Uh, And so it is hard to feel too terribly negative uh, about this, except, and we'll move over to the next article now, Metro Exodus move from Steam to Epic leads to review bombing and internal conflict. Uh, And this article was posted just about an hour ago, again on Game Daily Biz, and it reads as follows. Metro Exodus's move from Steam to a one-year exclusivity agreement with Epic caught fans by surprise on Monday. It seems to have also been a curveball for Deep Silver parent THQ Nordic, with two contradictory messages coming out of the publisher in the past day. Here was THQ Nordic yesterday. The decision to publish Metro Exodus as a timed Epic Store exclusive was made entirely on Coke Media's side as Metro is their intellectual property, the company posted on Twitter. They are a sister company of THQ Nordic Vienna, which is the reason why we can, uh, which I believe should be cannot, which is why we cannot and will not comment on this matter. We do not want to categorically exclude the possibility of timed exclusives for any of our games in the future, but speaking in the here and now, we definitely want to have the players choose choose the platform of their liking and make our portfolio available to as many outlets as possible. Besides the strangeness of declining to comment and immediately proceeding to comment, THQ Nordic's pair of tweets raised eyebrows for revealing what seems to be internal strife over the matter. 
Today, the publisher took the step to clarify its organizational structure while affirming support for Deep Silver's decision. And this is important stuff. When we talk about these game companies, a lot of them are organized with subsidiaries and sister companies and different relationships between their publishing and their development branches. And it's all very interesting. This is where the virtual legality of the thing really comes into play. So this paragraph is described in Game Daily Business article, THQ Nordic, headquartered in Sweden, owns three different subgroups, Deep Silver, who has the rights to Metro, THQ Nordic GmbH, uh, which is a designation of a corporation in other uh, jurisdictions, and Coffee Stain. This structure is similar to Activision Blizzard's ownership of Activision Publishing and Blizzard Entertainment and a number of other uh, infrastructures. Uh, you have a number of subsidiaries that operate under the Sony label. You have a number of these things that are structured this way. And the legal reason for that is because it makes sense to isolate the financial statements. It makes sense to isolate the liabilities, the rights and the obligations, the lease obligations. It makes sense to operate a business that is going to be doing only one thing, like making a Metro game separate from a business that is going to be publishing a lot of games or that's going to be dealing with other types of uh, content or that's going to be making a completely different type of game because you want to keep these things isolated. You want to be able to keep track of how you're using your assets internally and externally, what your liabilities are. And so that makes a lot of sense. It also makes sense if they're going to be operating in different jurisdictions. If some of these places are in Sweden and others of these places are elsewhere in Europe or they're in the United States, there are a lot of tax reasons and other organizational reasons to have those kinds of things isolated into different sections uh, and to into different companies. Now, the main problem that they have here, and you probably saw it in that paragraph already, is that their parent company is named THQ Nordic, and one of their publishers slash developers is also named THQ Nordic. Now, they have different corporate appellations. One is AB and one is GMBH, but that doesn't do a lot of help when you're talking about uh, these statements that they're making. So that statement that we just read about the fact that they can't comment on Deep Silver from THQ Nordic is from their development publisher arm, the people that make Darksiders and Titan Quest and Wreckfest. It's not from the parent company who can absolutely talk about what their subsidiaries are doing because a subsidiary is just another legally fancy word for meaning that you are owned by uh, somebody else. Uh, so THQ Nordic owns these three company groups, uh, but THQ Nordic GmbH doesn't. They're a sister company. They have the same parent but they don't own each other. They have no ownership relationship between them, which is what caused all this confusion yesterday. Um, uh, THQ Nordic makes a statement, I firmly believe that Deep Silver and Coke Media, remember those are the companies that own Metro, have carefully considered the advantages and disadvantages, opportunities and risks in their decision to go solely with the Epic Game Store. The decision has my full support. That's from the parent. Uh, they also reiterated that THQ Nordic AB, the parent, will be exploring a name change to better differentiate itself from the publishing business responsible for Darksiders and other titles. The company had shared this plan with shareholders in 2018. Yeah, it's no surprise. Certainly had they come and sat in my office at Hogla, I would have said, hmm, there could be problems here with having the exact same name. Uh, even if you threw up THQ Nordic Parent and THQ Nordic Publishing, you could at least create some differentiation, and maybe that's a little bit too much for uh, the journalists and the people following your Twitter that aren't maybe key to your corporate structure, but it would at least get you out of this thing, uh, which yesterday had a lot of people reacting to that statement that... Uh, that THQ Nordic had no control over what Deep Silver was doing with something of a, a quizzical face or a question mark uh, because it didn't make a lot of sense to people that knew that Deep Silver was owned by THQ Nordic uh, and, and didn't know that THQ Nordic essentially was operating under a different name uh, to publish and that was who made a statement because on the one hand, you wouldn't expect a statement from the sister company at all. Uh, so it was, it was a little bit interesting. But this story continues. 
The shift from Steam to the Epic Game Store also caught some fans off guard, with some opting to weaponize the user review system. The previous entries in the franchise, Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light, have been review-bombed on Steam. This is a common tactic amongst consumers who feel slighted by anything from business decisions to discounts to attention to diversity. So let's talk about review bombing. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, although I suspect almost everyone listening to a video like this is familiar, this is the notion of essentially entering in a review, in particular on Steam, but really anywhere, on Amazon or Yelp or anywhere else, that is uh, generally a negative review of a product or service that is only tangentially, if at all, related to the product or service in question. That you are essentially commenting on something else related to a parent entity, related to decisions made by the company uh, that also develops this game. And in this case, what you've got is you've got review bombing of two games that are already available on Steam, Metro 2033 and Metro Last Light whose third entry, the end of the trilogy, is not going to be available on Steam, and people going on to review the existing games and commenting on that decision, a corporate transactional decision for a third game that isn't available for review on Steam because it's not going to be coming out on Steam, at least for a year, and reviewing these earlier games negatively because of that corporate decision. Now, we can talk about my thoughts on that. I'm going to get to those a little bit because I have my own opinions on that, and I think Reasonable minds can differ about the efficacy, the usefulness, and the essential moral rightness of doing review bombing, and I have my own issues with the tactic. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the rules and guidelines that Steam actually imposes on its own use and, and whether or not they are doing what they should be doing to cover these kinds of things as it stands. So I've pulled up right now a Steam support site that's called the Rules and Guidelines for Steam, Discussions, Reviews, and User-Generated Content. These guidelines apply to all places in the Steam store and community where users can post content. So that does include reviews. Anytime a user is going to be entering something onto Steam, these rules are supposed to govern their conduct. And in addition to these, we see at the bottom of this section, there is a reference to a Steam subscriber agreement and Steam online conduct. And we can pull those up, but they're not necessarily as forward-facing to what we are discussing here today as this is, which is the rules and guidelines for Steam. And they have some general rules. They say, when providing feedback, posting information, or discussing a product on Steam, so like a review, whether it's negative or positive, please make sure you are being relevant, constructive, and polite. And the lawyer in me keys in on the relevancy there. These aren't legal obligations. These are essentially guidelines. So these are discretionary for Steam's enforcement. We're not looking at liability provisions. We're not looking at uh, getting thrown in, in Steam jail or anything like that. These are essentially guidelines that Steam wants you to follow and that they're going to reserve the right to, to handle if you don't follow them. And relevancy is one of those things. And I see the word relevant and I say, Okay, if you're asking me to review a product, which is the prompt that you get, if you have it in your library, you haven't reviewed it, and you're operating through Steam, they, they say, hey, would you like to review this product? And you enter in that review a discussion of a corporate transaction that, that is later occurring. Uh, for instance, like Deep Silver agreeing to move the third game in this series to an exclusive on another store, and you decide to review the first game in the series on that premise with a negative and maybe some commentary on it, I find that to be not relevant. Uh, when we talk about constructive or polite, that's another thing we're going to see when we kind of dive into some of the review bombs that we can see on the front page right now. But I think it has its own issues as well. Uh, the last sentence in this says, developers take feedback from all kinds of sources into account, even though they may not have time to respond to every post or question. 
Please note that administrators, moderators reserve the right to change, edit, delete, move, merge any content at any time if they feel it is inappropriate, abusive, or incorrectly categorized. So again, if you're playing devil's advocate against Steam and you're looking at what's happening in a review bomb scenario, like the one that is currently being faced by Metro Exodus, it's fair to say, hey, if you reserve that power to move things that you feel are inappropriate or incorrectly categorized and you don't do that, you know, what is that saying about your feelings on the review bombing tactic in general? And this goes way before Metro Exodus. And they're certainly not going to do anything about this because Steam is actually fully in favor of being against Deep Silver and being against the Epic Game Store on this. So it would be a big surprise to me if they wound up taking any action against this particular review bomb. But going back further than that, they have not done a great job of addressing review bombs on any of their products for a long time. As mentioned in that Game Daily Biz article, this has been a tactic for years and years and years. And what they've basically done is ignore it and added a few kind of metrics to show when they see a lot of reviews coming in of a specific category. And we're going to see that when we look at the Metro Last Light Redux uh, review system is that they've they've categorized, oh, we've got a lot of reviews coming in and we can show people that there are a lot of negatives so people can look at it and say, hey, that's probably a review bomb, but they're not otherwise addressing it. And this has been a common complaint for developers for a long time. And I think the, the statement that Valve made earlier about it being unfair was a kind of clarion call, was a kind of uh, uh, move to get people to respond to this on their platform. And to me, looking at it, if I'm already kind of one foot out the door and saying, hey, maybe I should go to Epic because I, it gets me a better cut, I don't think it makes the point that Steam and Valve would like it to make. Uh, it basically looks to me like they are accepting these kinds of review bomb tactics, these kinds of negative acts by people unrelated to the actual games in question. And certainly if you're not as big as a Deep Silver, if you're not as big as a Ubisoft, and you're just talking about an independent developer that maybe makes a wrong statement on Twitter or otherwise gets involved in something that they didn't mean to on Reddit or otherwise, Steam and Valve are not going to help you. And so I think that this sets a, a continuing precedent from a long time before now that Steam and Valve aren't going to do anything about this. And if that is the case, I think the current setup at the Epic Game Store, which admittedly doesn't have the infrastructure that Steam does, doesn't have these kinds of forums, doesn't have these uh, ability to react by the community on a, on a, on a dime, uh, can be more attractive rather than less attractive to the developers that want to put their games up there because the notion is that Epic is going to curate these relationships and these communications a little bit better right this second. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I can't speak to what Epic's going to do and whether they're going to do it well or not. All I can speak to is Steam saying you're supposed to be relevant, you're supposed to be constructive, you're supposed to be polite. Uh, you are not supposed to derail a threads topic, which applies more to forum statements, but could apply to reviews in general, which are if you're going to be trying to give good advice, give good information about a product, tangential comments about uh, business transactions and business decisions do derail that intent. Um, you know, abuse or encourage abuse of the post reporting system, uh, repetitively post in the incorrect forum uh, and, and things of that nature. Uh, threats of violence or harassment, even as a joke, uh, abusive language, including swearing, all of these things, Steam reserves the right to cover. And we can take a look uh, real quickly at the Metro Last Light Redux, which is just one of the ones I pulled up after reading the Game Daily Biz article. 
for what's happening in the review bombs. And we see here how, Ste how a Steam page looks. It says Metro Last Light Redux. It says right here, all reviews are very positive. That's almost 20,000. Recent reviews, which I believe is the last 30 days, are negative. Uh, almost 1,400 negative reviews. Um, and we can see what I talked about earlier, which is some of the stuff that Steam and Valve have added, which is essentially a kind of infographic that shows how the reviews had come in. You can see that most people really liked the game for a long period of time. And then in the last couple of days, uh, really yesterday and today, they have started review bombing. They've started giving negative reviews to this product, which is related to the, the new game in the trilogy, Metro Exodus, but doesn't have anything to do with it specifically. And you can see that the review bombing is occurring. And if we take a look at what this generally consists of, it's things like not supporting Deep Silver anymore, removing Exodus from Steam. Game is phenomenal. However, Deep Silver, uh, however, uh, swear, Deep Silver for putting Exodus exclusively on the Epic Store. A couple fights there. Some more middle fingers in the Epic Store. Well, I like the franchise, but this is a bad move. You cannot just change and tell people that they could buy a game on one store and make it available to another. Uh, I will not buy that game. Good game, but again, swear the Epic Store move uh, as a gift for the Epic exclusive deal. Here's my negative rating. Published by Kitty Porn Producing, uh, AFD supporting neo-Nazis using the title of game publisher as cover. I, you know, these are the kinds of things that are currently being allowed to be on this uh, front page to this game that don't relate in any way to the business decision that Deep Silver made in respect of moving Metro Exodus out. Uh, and we can see just from Steam's own codes of conduct that these don't really match up with what the review system is supposed to be doing. Uh, they certainly don't match up for the lack of abuse and things in certain instances that we see here. And I didn't go through all 1,400 of the reviews that came in uh, this last couple days. Uh, but it is the kind of normal approach to a community acting against uh, something that it doesn't like that is only tangentially related to the actual product they're reviewing. You find a spot that is somewhat related to what you're talking about. You post a review bomb, and then if 1,700 of your friends come with, you have this negative effect on how the game is perceived, at least recently. Uh, and so to me personally, I don't find that to be a, a terribly effective or just process. Uh, you know, I'd rather have these reviews that are available on places like Steam and Amazon and Yelp and everywhere else that you can review games on the internet or elsewhere uh, be useful. I'd like to know about the game. I'd like to know about if there are problems with the game, about how it functions, uh, about what problems you had with the narrative or with the controls or things of that nature. And if I'm just looking to buy Metro Last Light and I don't really care about whether Metro Exodus is available and I don't really care about Epic versus Steam, it's not terribly useful for me to know for 1,400 reviews or what have you that you really don't like the move uh, to the other store. Now, as I said, the real politic of this particular situation is that Steam is very unlikely to do anything about this particular review bomb because this is a direct defense of the Steam ecosystem and infrastructure and a direct defense of Valve, which if you're looking at things slightly squint-eyed and really want to be looking at things against Valve, could be deemed to have been essentially... Uh, propped up by Valve in their statement yesterday and essentially suggested as a proper mechanism by them. I don't necessarily go that far. I just don't think that they care that it is happening. Uh, and that's not at all a surprise. Uh, but I do think the fact that they don't care that it's happening right this second, and if they don't make a statement and they don't take any actions to prevent this kind of thing in the future, will be looked at askance by the other actors in the industry. Valve and Steam have a potential snowball on their hands. Uh, and I certainly think 
the announcement last year and then Division Two and Ubisoft moving over as they did last month uh, or earlier this month. It's been a long month. Uh, is uh, the kind of first starting points that you're seeing to this snowball gathering steam. Uh, no pun intended. And if Valve doesn't act uh, to do something to stem this tide, I do think they might find themselves from the outside looking in. Uh, there are a lot of people that are looking at this on the development side clearly and saying either Epic's offering really significant amounts of money to protect to protect us, or we are just very in- interested. We're very vested in breaking up that 70-30 monopoly, that 70-30 standard. And so we are willing to take a hit. We're willing to act in concert with folks like Ubisoft to move out of the Steam infrastructure to at the very least encourage Valve and Steam to change their economics, even if we don't ultimately want to live on the Epic Game Store forever. Um, this article from Game Daily Biz goes on to, to point out that the uh, this review bombing is despite Deep Silver honoring Steam pre-purchases with a promise that those who committed before the announcement will be able to play Metro Exodus on Steam at launch. So again, if you're talking about lessons learned from this, if you're Deep Silver, you say, hey, we tried to take every step to protect the Steam folks, uh, and it didn't even work out then. They still got mad. The community still flipped out on us. They still review bombed us. Should we even go that far this next time? Should we maybe not just refund Steam money and move everybody over? And, and otherwise, if you're going to get hit, you might as well get hit. I don't know whether it's more difficult for them to maintain this relationship with Steam in the instant case for those keys or not. Uh, but if it is, if it's at all difficult, you take a look at something like this and you say, hey, they're burning us anyway. So these steps that we're trying to do to be fair to consumers don't really work. Uh, and so we need to re-evaluate re- our business decisions, reevaluate what makes sense on a fiduciary basis for our company uh, if we're going to take these hits anyway. And if Valve and Steam aren't going to do anything about it. Uh, Steam's decision to call the move unfair to consumers, along with THQ Nordic's own self-immolating statement yesterday, helped polarize a community that wasn't entirely equipped to evaluate Deep Silver's choice to abandon Valve for Epic, which is a kind of normative statement. But he's essentially saying that these folks are looking at things as, hey, I've always had Steam, I always like Steam, and aren't really evaluating it from a business standpoint, aren't really taking the steps to do a deep dive that we do here on Virtual Legality and to look at the business environment and geography on a, on a whole. And it's not really their fault. I don't blame people for just saying, hey, I like what I like. I don't care about any of the rest of this stuff. Just give me a product and a service that I enjoy. And if you're taking something away from that product or service that I enjoy, I'm going to lash out. I think it's a little bit counterproductive to lash out in the fashion that we've seen here with some of the uh, review bombs and elsewise, but it's not unusual and it should be anticipated and expected by those folks that have a game currently listed on Steam that are going to move that game over. And I think certainly the developers and the publishers are learning that lesson right this second, that they are going to take an emotional slash goodwill slash psychological cut if they move this, even with something like a $10 price drop. Uh, While some have accurately pointed out that Epic Game Store currently lacks important quality of life features like cloud saves, others have leaned on a notion that store exclusives are anti-consumer. This is despite the fact that in the United States, the move to Epic Game Store comes with a $10 price drop. It's not yet clear if the discount pricing is permanent or tied to the pre-order and launch window. Uh, And I don't want to read this whole article because I do think it is worth your click. I do think it's worth jumping in on. And Game Daily Biz is a place that I would add to my bookmarks if you're at all interested in the stuff that we discuss on virtual legality. Uh, But he goes on to essentially posit that one of the reasons that we didn't see this discount extended to uh, more international audiences 
is because those international audiences have a deeper uh, physical retail bench uh, for their PC sales. And in that case, it's a lot harder to kind of deal with wholesale pricing and marketing materials and things of that nature that are already moving to be in play in Europe and other uh, markets like that. And that might well be the case. I don't know for for myself. I don't know firsthand. Uh, but certainly we see in the console space, anything that kind of tangentially is related to brick and mortars is related to those physical sales makes things a lot harder to change on a digital basis. It's one of the reasons we see the stickiness of prices uh, in the Microsoft Game Store, in the, the PlayStation Network purchases. Uh, and we don't necessarily see that same stickiness in the PC environment in the United States, that you have Steam prices varying wildly depending on the day and things of that nature. So it very well could be the case that if you've got a lot more box sales in one of these markets that you have more difficulty discounting. I don't know that Epic has spoken on that directly, uh, but that, that very well might be a, a factor as well. And then he does a little bit of math that shows that essentially if you're getting 88% of your sales and you can assume something close to a similar sale number uh, in the Epic Game Store to the Steam Store, uh, Deep Silver is just going to make significantly more money uh, selling Metro Exodus. Uh, and so there is a vested interest by these developers to move the needle to get it to a place where they will sell a comparable amount on the Epic Game Store. And one of the things that is going to move that needle is absolutely having bigger, high profile and more games available on the Epic Game Store. Now, I talked about it earlier in this video. I don't love exclusives. I don't love it as a tactic. I didn't love it when Rise of the Tomb Raider was made an Xbox exclusive. I don't really love Epic taking these steps to make these games exclusive, and I am absolutely empathetic to those who feel burned uh, by wanting to play Metro Exodus on their Steam account rather than the Epic Game Store and that they feel that it's unjust that they don't have that opportunity. I agree with that notion. I agree that everybody should have maximal opportunities that they can have. They can play it on whatever they want. Uh, on the other hand, I also agree with uh, market disruption. I do think that if Epic can make this money at that 88-12% uh, split, then there really was a, essentially a, a market distortion of monopolistic pricing that Valve and Steam have enjoyed for a long period of time. And it makes sense for a competitor to come in with a big war chest like Epic has from Fortnite and really come in to try to disrupt that because there is money to be made from a competitor if there is that big split between what it costs to actually run one of these networks uh, and, and what kind of money they are taking from developers to run the networks. And so I'm in support of those kinds of disruptions. I'm in support of that kind of competition. But certainly whenever there are these transition events, these transition periods, there is uh, the uh, effect of having certain folks get kind of uh, run under the, the mill, run under the wheels of change, as it were, that want to stick only with Steam or want to have uh, these kinds of infrastructure support mechanisms that they've enjoyed through their communities and their friends lists and everything else that Steam does provide that they're not getting currently on Epic and they don't really care about some of the differences in the developer split. And I can understand that as well. So my, my feeling on this in general is that Epic is ultimately going to move to not paying for exclusives. It doesn't make a lot of sense in the long run that this is essentially a business decision, maybe only for the first year, but at least for the, the first period of time that the Epic Game Store exists, where they buy these exclusives. They make sure people have to come and look at their, uh, their business model. They make sure that people have to come and look at their storefront. Uh, on the outset, with these big games... 
uh, to encourage people to remember that the Epic Games Store exists, to make it a regular point of visiting for them. And then once they've got enough people in their kind of baseline audience, they can stop doing those exclusives. They can just sell the same things that Steam is selling. And then maybe they can sell them for a slight discount because that it, that 18% that the developers are getting uh, is significant and they can pay, maybe sell their game for even less on the Epic Game Store and still make more money than they do from a sale on Steam. Uh, so those are really my thoughts on this. I think it's a fantastic article. I do recommend clicking on it. I, again, think Game Daily Biz does a wonderful job of really discussing these issues on a day-by-day basis. And I saw this article go up, and I knew I wanted to talk about it on virtual legality. Uh, and so if you like this video, please do like, please subscribe, please hit the bell, please do everything else that you'd like to. This is also available, and I haven't been mentioning this when I end these videos, this is also available on almost all major podcast providers, uh, certainly on the iTunes podcast uh, store, on Spotify, uh, on Google Music, and things of that nature. Please check it out there if you prefer that format, if you prefer listening to viewing, and uh, please review it, and, and if you like it, give it good reviews on those uh, formats as well, whatever it is that you do there. I know it's stars on the iTunes store. Uh, but if you do those things, uh, I would really appreciate it. Otherwise, please give me comments. Please give me feedback. I love having these discussions with you. And I certainly think there's a lot of room for reasonable minds to disagree on whether or not Epic Game Store is a good thing, whether or not Steam is a good thing, whether or not Steam acted appropriately when they gave the uh, comment that they gave yesterday, whether the people that are doing the review bombing are acting appropriately right now. A lot of those things are my opinions on what is proper and what would make a, a better industry, what would make a better course of action. Uh, and certainly you see some of those opinions uh, also kind of espoused in the Game Daily Biz article from kind of a connotative or normative perspective. And I think those are good conversations to have. I think they are important conversations to have. And they're going to be an important conversation to have throughout 2019 because right now, as it stands, Epic Game Store isn't going away. And Fortnite is funding an attack on Valve and Steam and on the way people have bought PC games for a good long time now. And I personally think that competition, that attack, is only going to wind up for the better for everyone. Whether or not Epic succeeds, I think Valve is going to have to change some of its policies, certainly some of its economics that are developer-facing, maybe some of its economics that are consumer-facing. And I think ultimately that's a good thing for the entire industry as more money makes its way into the hands of the people that actually make the games and not into the hands solely of Valve or Steam or even Epic. Uh, I think this is a good conversation, a good competitive environment to be in. And that's essentially my two cents here on virtual legality. I would very much appreciate your comments and feedback. And thank you so very much for watching. <laughs>